0: It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, if your mission was to expand regenerative agriculture by connecting good food from good people to good people, where would you do that? Some people would think that, well, that must be coming from California or Vermont, because they think of it, the farm-to-table movement, as being primarily concentrated in certain areas of the country. But in fact, it's all over the country, and even we can go to out west, down south, and we can find something happening in all the communities. Today we're out west, and I'm really happy to welcome Zach Buckle to -to Farm-to-Table Talk. Zach, good to have you on.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Roger. This is really exciting for me.
0: Well, Zach, you have an interesting interesting enterprise. We're going to talk about that. But you are based just out of Yellowstone in Wyoming. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Cody, Wyoming. It's about 80 miles from the east entrance of Yellowstone.
0: Now, to get there, uh, people that are from out of state, if they, they what, fly to Cheyenne or Salt Lake City or, or Boise and rent a car and drive to Yellowstone, what's the, what's the way that most people get there?
1: Actually, there's an airport in Cody that connects to Denver and Salt Lake, and in the summertime, even Chicago, there's a direct flight um so i think that's how a lot of people come in actually i think the majority of people who come in to go to yellowstone are just doing a road trip across the country like that's actually how um my family ended up out here is the road trip thing we were you know when i was uh, about eight years old we came out here on a road trip and, and just kind of fell in love and that's i think how a lot of people do it in a camper or just staying at hotels and stuff like that and um Uh, Even my parents, when they were kids back in the 50s, did the exact same thing. So I think most of it is road trips, but uh, um,
0: I'm not a tourist expert yet. Well, you know what? I've driven through Wyoming many times. And as you drive through Wyoming, there's wide, wide open spaces. And, in fact, I've learned kind of the hard way that you better keep your gas pretty your gas tank kind of filled up because uh, when and say so this is your last chance for 70 miles sometimes it really is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
1: yeah, you run out of gas one time or something?
0: Yeah, uh, really close. I got in on fumes just not too long ago. It was kind of kind of late and I think it was just coming from uh, out of Cheyenne heading heading west and from Laramie um, there's not a lot of gas stations. You know, when you get all the way almost over to Rock Springs or something like that. So you have to do some planning. But the last thing that occurs to you when you're driving through Wyoming, which, by the way, you can do it like 85 miles an hour, which is nice. (laughs) You can go pretty fast. But you don't look out the window and think, I'll bet there are some farms around here that are producing food for farm to table. You, you, You just don't sense it because it's such big, wide open spaces. And also the growing season is short. Now, somehow up there near the the park, you've actually been able to discover a lot of farmers and find yourself in the middle of it. So why don't you explain what you're doing there, and and then we're going to talk a little bit about the farms that you're working with.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, So I own and operate Farm Table West, which is an online farmer's market here in Cody. Um, we're pretty new, really only been in existence for about two and a half years. Um, and the idea is we connect, um, retail customers with the farms that are around here. So we work with anywhere from 15 to 30 different farms, depending on the time of year. And since it's March right now, we're going to start, um, adding more and more farms on because the growing season is starting. People are planting, um, and, uh, The idea is our website, farmtablewest.com. You can order all of your groceries on your phone or desktop computer, and we will deliver them to your house. Um, And, uh, yeah, the whole idea is uh, to connect people, make it easy for people to get this food, because I used to work on uh, Shoshone River Farm, which is literally right across the street from my house out here. Um, It's the second biggest vegetable farm in the state of Wyoming. It's uh three and a half acres and uh, the big problem that Scott the farmer had while I was there was he was going to four different farmers markets a week and in Wyoming you're gonna come back with a lot of product that didn't sell at those markets because there's just not a lot of people so it's it's difficult to really uh, make the business work that way so um, that's sort of the, the the source for the idea um, if you can sell, a product online before it's even harvested that really reduces the risk for the farmer. Um, and that's sort of how it started, and, then it, and it seems to apply pretty well with meat producers, egg producers, um, value-added stuff like salsa and fermented stuff. Um, so we're, we're coming up with new products all the time.
0: So, so how far exciting. afield from Cody are your farmers?
1: Um. So let's see, the farthest one is probably Warland, and that's about an hour and a half. So oh, I can't remember how many miles. I think it's over a hundred miles, but they come up to us. Uh, they're actually the biggest farm in Wyoming for vegetables. There's seven acres. Um, and that's, those are really small numbers for like uh, pretty much anywhere else in the country. Most farms are like at least 20 acres, but in Wyoming, that's the biggest we got. And they come up. Uh, once a week to deliver to us on their way up to Bozeman, Montana, where they have a big customer there. Um, So that's probably the farthest. But we work with some in Lovell. Lovell is about, I don't know the miles, but 60 miles or something away. Um, and then trying to get a lot more in Powell, which is only about 15, 20 minutes away from us, and it's a much different growing season.
0: You know, when you think about farms that are three, four, five acres, and a lot of times vegetable farms, that's about the size that many of them are, and they can support a family and, and on that acreage. But you're in a state, too, that out west, big, wide expanses, the grazing land out there, uh, it's not unusual for for somebody in a, in a ranch to be needing thousands and thousands of acres because, um, a cow might have, might need what? 40 acres per a single cow of, of grazing area. Uh, just because it's, you know, that things don't naturally grow that much. They have to go a long ways to get a meal, uh, in, in Wyoming. And many of the other western states, it's the same the same situation. But it's interesting that the farms can be productive and produce good vegetables and you can get, you know, producing down to, you know, three to four acres like you were saying. It's just different than people would think of normally.
1: Oh absolutely, yeah. and the space thing is space isn't something we don't have a shortage of around here. It's probably like the most spacious place in the state in the country. Um, but yeah, it, focusing your energy on a really small amount of area, um, you can really produce a crazy amount of food that way. Um, I don't know the actual numbers of like how many pounds of food are grown on uh, Scott's farm or uh, Terry's farm down in Warland, but um, it's pretty, pretty, good, pretty large.
0: You know, um, I went on your I went on your website, uh, the Farm Table West website, and you've got a picture across there that shows. Some people out working in, uh, working on one of the farms and see things growing. One of the things that strikes me is that the land right there looks similar to a lot of places in the country. It doesn't look like the high deserts that I think of. Uh, it's green pastures in the background. The soil looks pretty, pretty rich. It's dark soils. It's just not, again, sand and sparse, uh, high plains deserts. And so, um, it, it, it's just interesting. It's just it's even that picture is not what we'd normally think to be just outside of Yellowstone.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. The that was a Shoshone River farm. I'm pretty sure. Um, and he spends years um, composting all sorts of stuff to be to make his soil black. But um, that was actually one of the things that struck me about um, that farm it, 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 because I saw a documentary about it before I moved out here. And um, that Scott, the the farmer, is growing for nine months in the toughest growing season in the country, because um, Wyoming is the shortest growing season on average for the whole state, uh, whole country. And uh, that that soil is what makes it possible, and his hoop houses too. He's got incredible hoop house um, uh, facilities on his farm that make it possible. But yeah. You can do some pretty amazing stuff with composting to make um, Illinois-type soil, even in Wyoming. And even some of the grazing um, producers that we have, um, people that are doing rotational grazing out in Lovell, um, they're doing uh, rotational grazing, so they're actually moving their lamb uh, every day into a specific really small pasture and that makes their soil almost like Illinois quality over a period of five to ten years. So it's really amazing what you can do in the, some of the toughest
0: um, growing area in the U.S. Um, you know, that's interesting. As you, you and I have talked uh, briefly that uh, we're both from Illinois. And so I know what mm-hmm. you're talking about, that soil is dark and deep and rich. And and the thing that's really interesting to me that you've just mentioned is that you're talking about the people making the soil darker and blacker and building the soil up, which is really the definition of regenerative agriculture. And yeah, yeah, isn't, and isn't amazing. I mean, and you know, the other thing I'm just going to say quickly is that uh, you know, when people think about gee, soils aren't what they used to be. No, in some places they're better than they used to be because, you know, if people think of all the cowboy shows they saw, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and, you know, riding across that range, you can take, again, that high desert kind of land, and it is pretty bleak. It w- didn't have much organic matter, and you actually are taking these farms. They're building it. That's, that's incredible.
1: It is. And, and most people, um, you know, some of the customers that I've begun working with in the past couple of years, some of our larger bulk customers were kind of shocked that we even had this uh, kind of product, like having the availability of melons in uh, September. Um, some of our customers were like, really, is that what you have? You have melons? And, and these melons are like they are the best thing since sliced bread. I, I've never tasted melons like this before. They taste like there's sugar injected into them, and it's it's again, it's all because of the soil um, the soil work that our farmers uh, do in actually like this time of year is when a lot of it's done when they're turning the compost piles and stuff. And one cool thing about Wyoming is there is no shortage of manure mm-hmm. uh, since there is so much beef operation here. I mean, everybody has a factory like within. A mile or so of the farm, so you got plenty of manure to make the compost happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's really it's not really rocket surgery. It's just uh, it's just kind of a matter of making it happen. But yeah, it's it's pretty shocking because this is is probably the hardest place. Um, in the U.S. to grow, except for probably like northern Alaska, that's probably a little harder. <laughs> but, <laughs>
0: well, uh, it does. again, I'm going to be redundant because just mm-hmm. the fact that you can actually see examples of where it's a, a lot better now than it was even 100 years ago. I've talked to some farmers out here in California that we're talking. uh, They know what the land was like and say some of the missions in the late 1700s. Some of them haven't been touched and they can see examples of the soil as it existed then. And then they right across the street, there's uh, an orchards that have been developing the, the land. And it is clearly much better, much richer than it than it used to be. So. I just hope more people kind of look at the pictures and hear those stories and see there's people out there really making the the land better. And as a result, they're actually making really good food products, which is what you're doing. And you were just describing those melons. and uh, I I want to try those melons someday.
1: Yeah, I hope I can send you some or something. (laughs) They're, They're incredible, man.
0: It's, it's um, funny. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the French refer to it as the terroir, the the territory, the land that it's, you know, affecting the taste of their wine. I would imagine that we'll, we could get to that point that we could say, oh, that tastes like a Wyoming melon, you know, versus a, a Florida melon or, a, you know, melon from California uh, that it would have Absolutely. its unique, unique qualities.
1: That's the goal is, is uh you know, I think every square inch of the country has its own unique flavor. And that's what uh, what we're really trying to highlight with Farm Table West is highlighting the flavors of um, just the Bighorn Basin, not even the whole state of Wyoming, because the Bighorn Basin is uh, a really small part of the whole state. Um, and, and, you know, what's also interesting too is that we do work with 15 to 30 different farms and they're all in different locations, but the, and they, they're within probably a hundred miles of our, our central location. But a farm in Warland has a completely different growing season than in Cody because of the altitude. So there's lots of altitude change um, around here. It's not very flat. So Warland I believe, is like 1,500 feet lower than Cody is. So that's why they're able to grow those melons, and they grow way better tomatoes than Cody does because it's a lot cooler in Cody in the summertime. Um, so they have amazing products like that, and Powell as well. But Cody is cooler throughout the entire summer. So Cody can grow lettuce and salad greens way better than Warland can because it's too hot down there, and it'll, those crops will bolt. Um, so it's a really cool place because we can actually have um, a little bit of everything throughout the whole season by working together with all these different locations.
0: You know, um, that, that reminds later. me, too, of, of um, wine country in California. There's a definite difference in the flavors of the altitude of where the wine grapes are grown. And sometimes the further up the hill it goes and rockier soil, uh, they don't get as good of yields, but they really get intense flavor because the plant had to work a little harder. And I would imagine maybe you do find the same thing when you've got so much of your territory is over a mile high in altitude. That I would think that I, that would not make sense. That the altitude would be affecting the flavor of the of the produce.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. The the harder the plant has to to try to succeed, you know, to be to produce a, a fruit, I think the more flavor you get. Um, I don't know the science behind that, but it does seem to be true. It's it's weird.
0: Um, yeah. Well. Now, we want to go back to something else. The, the challenge that you've got when you're growing out there is that you do have short seasons, and you were saying that it might be the shortest season in the, in the country. Uh, that, uh, so you don't get much, doesn't seem like a whole lot of summer, and there's quite a bit of winter. Um, how do you overcome that? Um, sure. Because you're just, what, producing, what, mainly June through September for the most part, for most of when it's harvested fresh directly from the farms?
1: Yeah, for outdoor produce, it's mostly June through September. Um, and a lot of your quote-unquote spring crops, if you're just growing outside, are not going to be ready till like July. Um, but there's a huge initiative in the state to have hoop houses built on farms. And I, I think that's kind of a national thing. I don't know for sure. Um, but there's there's a lot of resources available through the government to have hoop houses built on your farm, um, and it only costs, I think, a couple thousand for the uh, materials, depending on the size of hoop house you're looking at, But um, and, and then all you'd have to do as a farmer is build those, but that's really how we've been able to extend the growing season uh, in an extra three months, essentially. Like uh, Shoshone River Farm grows produce for about nine months a year uh, and and that's pretty incredible like I said because this is the shortest growing season so Scott is actually able to uh, on a really good growing season he's able to get tomatoes by the summer solstice sometimes uh, depends on the year last year it didn't happen but the year before he was able to get tomatoes by the summer solstice because of those hoop houses and they're in hoop houses are just greenhouses basically with plastic. I'm I'm assuming you've probably talked to a lot of people about hoop
0: houses. I'm not sure if the listeners are that familiar with them. So the hoops literally are hoops. They look like a like a U like a, you know, a metal or probably metal that loops up and over and you put plastic over top of it and So one effect is just solar, just the fact that they're enclosed and covered. They're getting solar heat, and they're keeping a certain amount of warmth, and that extends the season. I suppose in some cases they actually can put heat into them.
1: Right, yeah, And, and Scott does have to add heat a little bit at the beginning and the end of the season. That's the big drawback of them so far is that you can get these crops at these times of year, but it's extremely expensive, uh, to add propane heat um, which is the the sort of grassroots method but um, we're it, it's interesting we're talking about this because I've been talking to a couple other growers getting into the space uh, around here and they're getting hoop houses provided by the government um, but they're at the stage where they're building the hoop houses and I've heard there's um, there's this organization in nebraska or this website from nebraska it's called citrus in the snow and the sky's growing oranges in february in nebraska which is incredible and, and essentially what he's doing is just digging tunnels underneath these hoop houses and circulating the air that's only about 10 feet down or something like that and he's able to provide free heat to those hoop houses to the point where they're 50 degrees in the dead of winter Um, So that's a really exciting prospect for us because uh, if you can get that heat for free and grow things like tomatoes in the wintertime, that's a game changer. Um, So that's one of the big challenges I'm running into is uh, I have some customers that are just jonesing for tomatoes by the 4th of July because that's the height in their demand. But um, we just can't do that based on the current infrastructure that's that's around here so we're working on some long-term strategies to make um this kind of free heat system to to work where you can have tomatoes by early july i i'm assuming most other parts of the country it's a lot easier to do that i I don't know for sure um but um that that's that's some of the stuff we're working on for the future
0: oh i think it's it's, really you know it's really exciting now the um are they identifying the farms that they're coming from, are your customers? Or are they saying, okay, these tomatoes came from Shoshone Ranch or, or whatever?
1: Um, retail customers are a little more, they're definitely a lot more uh, in tune with that. They're paying attention. Um, they definitely can tell the difference between a Shoshone River Farm tomato and a Lloyd Craft Farms tomato. Um and that's just because I'm actually able to have physically have the conversation with them. Like we actually sell at farmer's markets here too, um, to actually get that face time with the customer and, uh, and be able to educate them. So they're, they're a lot more savvy. I would say restaurant customers are a lot less concerned about that. They just want super high quality flavor because when you're competing with, um, you know, the bigger food distributors like Cisco and stuff, a lot of times those tomatoes that they get are harvested green on the plant and then two weeks later they get to the customer where ours are vine ripened so the quality is just above and beyond um, what they're able to get normally so they're just in general pleased to get um, local tomatoes at the quantities that they need um, and the quantity part is the really hard part on our end we're trying to be able to grow to a scale that works for both the farm and the, the end customer. And it's sort of a long-term game. We're probably not going to be able to get even a dent in the in the restaurant demand for a couple of years here until we can get some of these hoop house projects going and stuff like that. So,
0: Well, um, we've had, yeah. you know, here in California and some other areas too, I know it's gotten very popular to have maybe the top 10, 20 farm-to-table restaurants, you know, that are, identifying the farms and at the very least, you know, you can ask somebody and they'll come and they'll say, oh yeah, this came from such and such. And uh, so we're, we're spoiled a little bit, but I, but as you grow, I would imagine there'll, there'll be some more of that identity, uh, especially I would think Cody and around Yellowstone. I'm, I'm sure there's some, some great restaurants up there.
1: There's a few. Yeah, there's a few. The, the food scene is definitely growing here. Um, Cody is a really interesting place because, it is in Wyoming, but there's a lot of uh, transplants, if, if you mm-hmm. will, or immigrants. I don't know what the word is. But mm-hmm. uh, people coming from all over the country, um, like myself, uh, a lot of people from Minnesota, a lot of people from California. I would say that California is the, the largest demographic here um, in this particular town. So a lot of people are familiar with Farm to Table and, and really interested in it. And when they see that on a restaurant, Um, There's actually a restaurant that just opened up in uh, September of 2018 here uh, called Trailhead. And they uh, I know the owner or the the chef and he is about my age, super into farm to table. And his restaurants just exploded that people are eating there. I, I, most people I talk to that have eaten there have eaten there like three times in the past three months.
0: How'd you get there? You were mentioning you're from near Chicago. What brought you from Illinois out to that part of the world?
1: So, yeah, I grew up in uh, Woodstock, Illinois, which is, uh, about half an hour away from Wisconsin where, uh, the topsoil is some of the best deepest topsoil in the world, right around that area. And, uh, I ended up living in Chicago for a couple of years after college and um, was very interested in the farm-to-table scene there. Um, it's very interesting because Chicago has a lot of pavement. There's not a lot of actual open ground there because it's a city, but um, people are building farms there right and left, especially in the, uh, the south side, west side areas because there's a lot more um, abandoned parking lots, if you will, and, and uh, bringing the whole community together to make a farm happen and employing people. And I just found that really inspiring because it not only provides great produce for the Chicago community, but it also provides jobs for, um, some people in rougher neighborhoods that, uh, normally would possibly be selling drugs or doing bad things and stuff. So I found it really inspiring. Um, but I, uh, I really didn't want to live in Chicago for the rest of my life. It was just a little too claustrophobic for me. I like wide open spaces and Uh, My family's had a house out here in Cody for about 15 years, Um, and while I was in Chicago, my mom sent me a uh, PBS documentary about a farm about two miles away from our house out here, and it was uh, Shoshone River Farm, and uh, it was was about Scott, who's the guy doing the farming, And, and what I saw on that documentary was that he's growing produce for nine months a year and i was like wow they're not even really doing this in chicago yet like this is incredible and it's a rougher growing season so um i got real excited and and ended up working on his farm for that summer uh after after leaving chicago and just sort of fell in love with it i've never really worked on a farm before but it was just heaven i loved having my hands in the dirt and and my favorite part was definitely engaging with people at the farmer's market um and uh funny story actually about that PBS documentary, the, the same people that filmed it, um, they called me last July and came out and filmed me. <laughs> uh, so that's actually gonna air in a couple months and, and they're they're filming me about the farm table west thing that we're doing. So, um it's it's become full circle. It's really interesting. And uh they were saying that like, oh, I don't think anybody watches this show and I was like, Well, I did <laughs> So it's obviously, uh, you guys are doing some cool stuff and, um, but, uh, yeah, I ended up working on the farm for a while and, and, the, the whole inspiration for Farm Table West was again, that, uh, Scott was working, you know, 18 hour days to get, um, to get everything done and that marketing and distribution was a huge part of that. So, um, Farm Table West, the whole idea is to take a lot of that burden off the farmer. So they don't have to do the Facebook, the Instagram, the podcasts, the, uh, you know, the marketing and the actual getting the food from the farm to the people. They don't have to do that as much. And that, that's what we're trying to build as a, is a market. So farmers can focus more on farming and, uh, less on the marketing and distribution. Um, and, uh, it's still very young. We're only two and a half years into the deal and, uh, um, not really sustainable yet but I, I definitely think that in the next 5 to 10 years we're going to be in a really good position um, and, and the whole idea with Farm the West too is that if we can make this work in Wyoming, like the toughest growing season in, in the country and probably the least populated state, this can work anywhere that's what we're trying to do is, is uh, not just be successful here but inspire people all over the country to do this kind of stuff,
0: so Well, that's what was occurring to me when you were describing it. Because if again, if you can sit in a huge city, Chicago, Mm -hmm. and you see all these exciting things happen in the city and then think that you do want to get to more wide open spaces, you could, you know, uh, if you can do it there, people could pick almost any place in the, in the country and say, I think we can make, you know, uh, farms work here. We can market into the, to the area. It's a growing interest and people can be inspired and follow you, follow your path. Uh, You're making it work, and you already beat me to one of my wrap-up questions. It's kind of what you see down the road in the next five to ten years, but I'm going to invite you to expand a little bit more on that. I mean, from your vision, what does success look like five or ten years down the road?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Wow. Uh, you, You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it, lately since it is winter time it's a little bit slower time of year for us um, so I had a lot more time to plan and and do you know do that five-year plan for the business and um, my long-term goal is to be able to have a business that is sustainable uh, in the retail market in Park County um, which is very small compared to pretty much anywhere else in the country Um, there's actually only there's 50 four, it's it's between 52 and $54 million spent on groceries in Park County, which sounds like a lot, but it produces only about 8.6 million of that. Um, And that's what we're focusing heavily on right now. So we're trying to capture, oh, about 5% of that long-term. And I think we can make this a pretty sustainable business on the retail side of things. Um, And we also do some work with um, some restaurant customers in the summertime. Um, and I think we can make that probably about 10% of the business long-term. So th- definitely the focus is making the retail side of things successful. And that means basically just getting the average person excited about farm to table and making it um, less, less intimidating. Cause I think there's a little bit of a um, high upper class, um, perception of farm to table. Cause there's, you know, certain farm to table dinners that are very fancy and expensive and they're awesome. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't have anything against those things, but um, part of our marketing goal is to make it uh, make farm to table fun and interesting and uh, inviting for people that, you know, might not be able to afford to go to a, a farm to table dinner and, um, a lot of our pricing with the, the actual local produce in, in the summertime is in the neighborhood of 30 percent above the grocery store. And we find that that's a pretty good price for um, people are willing to pay 30 percent more for that level of quality. And uh, the the goal is to just make it, um, you know, as mainstream as possible in this county. And then uh, from there, um, long term, we'd like to expand into other uh, markets in the Mountain West region like Billings or Bozeman. Those are up in Montana, just a little bit north of us. Um, much bigger cities, but um, we'd like to expand there eventually. And uh, and from there, the sky's the limit. So um, the goal right now is to just make it sustainable business. <laughs> so uh, and it's really, really hard here because, again, you only have uh, 26,000 people in this county. So it's a really small market compared to most places in the country and uh but like i said if if we can make it work here it's it's like you can make it work anywhere it's it's very difficult here so um that's part of the the challenge is part of what motivates me i love the challenge um and uh for a first time business owner maybe that wasn't a good move but um i love it i love the journey so um it's been a lot of fun so far, and I think it'll be a lot of fun in the next couple of years.
0: Well, my prediction is that you are going to grow, and it's exciting and you know I'm still thinking back about the melons you can grow there and then thinking about how people will eventually, as produce is being grown all over the all over the country in the different areas that will come to appreciate uh unique qualities and flavors from places like Wyoming. Uh, like right outside of Yellowstone, just like we do uh, with wines and grown in different parts of the world even and regions and say, oh, there's flavors that are unique here because of, of the soil, beside, uh, because of the production practices and maybe because there's, you know, a unique growing seasons too. It's exciting what you're doing, Zach. And, uh, if people want to find you online, where do they look?
1: Uh, we're in a bunch of different places, but yeah, farmtablewest.com is the actual website where we do sell our products and, and actually from there you can find uh, a, a lot of where else we are. We're on Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, a little bit of YouTube. We're starting to dabble more in that. Um, and then podcasts, uh, we're starting, we started a podcast called the food peddlers podcast about a month ago. Um, and we're on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, and a few other places. But um, we're trying to get uh, a- anywhere we can on the Internet for sure. Um,
0: well, uh, I'm glad we can help spread the word, and I know that there's going to be some people listening today that are going to, going to check it out, and I encourage them to. And I really want to thank Zach Buckle for, from the Bighorn Basin of Wyoming for being with us on Farm to Table Talk. Zach, thanks.
1: Roger, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson.